Hi everyone, welcome to Hopevale Church's virtual service. My name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale of the Great Lakes Bay region in Michigan. If this is your very first time joining us, I just want to extend a special welcome to you. We're really glad that you joined us today. And if you would, go to our website at hopevale.org forward slash new. On that page, we have a digital connect card that we would love for you to fill out just kind of as a way for you to let us know that you're here and uh, give us a chance to reach back out with some additional information about the ministry at Hopeville. We would love to connect you further with. So again, thanks for being here today. Uh, also, uh, families with kids, we want to encourage you to go to our website, uh, hopeville.org forward slash COVID-19. And on that page, there are a bunch of family resources that you can engage with uh, either, this, either this morning during the service or throughout the week as well. We also wanted you to know that information is coming out from our kids team about the summer FX that they have planned. Obviously under the circumstances, that's gonna look a little bit different this year. And so uh, go to our website to find all the relevant information you need to know about what that's gonna look like and how to sign up for that happening this year. Well, hey, as we prepare our hearts for worship uh, through song and hearing God's word, let me just open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today and the chance that we have to gather even remotely and lift your name on high. Lord, you are so worthy of our praise and we never wanna lose sight of that even when our circumstances are really challenging and uncertain. And so Lord, today, would you just speak to us uh, with your grace and your truth exactly what we need to hear. Lord, for anybody in the, in the area who is dealing with any of the flooding issues, I just want to say a special prayer for them. Lord, would you encourage them as I can't imagine just the, the struggle that they're going through, uh, the frustration, the sadness and disappointment over anything that they have lost. And so God, may you just minister to them in a very special way in this time. Lord, we are here for you. And so may you be glorified in all that we say and do today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, it's also uh, Memorial Day weekend, and so uh, we want to take a moment to remember uh, all the veterans who lost their lives, gave the ultimate sacrifice as they served this country. So let's watch this video together. Thank you. 
everybody. God bless you. Let's sing together. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am for answers far and wide but I know that we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father to you
powerful. What a tune. God, thank you for the story of your love. Thank you for the story of your grace. Thank you, God, so much for the story of what our life is. And um, God, um, this has been a wild time, wild season for all of us. And Heavenly Father, we ask that your presence would be on us. Your Your presence would be with us. Your presence would be in us. Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us. Christ in us. You are the only one who can. God, we rely on that. And so today, uh, we offer you our hope. We offer you our, um, our deepest hopes. There's so much we're praying for and so much we're hoping for in our lives and um, God in our communities and everything that's been going on lately. We need you so desperately. So God, would you move and would you continue to work today as we worship you in your name, amen.
Hey, this is Pastor Dan, and I too want to thank you for logging on and joining us for worship this weekend. You know, I want to just start off by following up with some of the things that I've been sharing on Facebook Live this past week to let you know that my heart is with all of you who have been affected by this catastrophic and historic flood that hit our region, uh, Midland County, Saginaw County. Um, we just want you to know that our heart is with you, our prayers are with you, and even more importantly, our God, your refuge, is with you always. And I just really pray that God has surrounded you with his peace, that friends, family, church family has been connecting with you, loving on you, caring you. And, you know, there are many in our church who weren't impacted by that. And this is going to be a great time for us to mobilize into ministry. And over the next few days, we'll just let you know about more opportunities of how we can be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus in this great time of need. Well, also this Memorial Day weekend, I too want to express my appreciation for those of you who have served in our armed forces, and I also want to express my condolences to any of you who've lost loved ones who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. So thank you. You know, thinking about Memorial Day, my mind flashed back to last year when I was on sabbatical. Memorial Day, I actually got to walk the hallowed grounds of Arlington Cemetery, right by our nation's capital. And it was so humbling for me to see all the headstones and all the nameplates and to realize that it's not just lives lost, but it's also families affected. And so this weekend, you know, I just want to encourage you to thank God for this country of ours, for those who have served in our military to defend its freedoms. And then I also want you to pray for our nation in our leaders, in such uh, confusing, fearful, and quite frankly, feisty times, right? And that God would just really give us direction um, and, and provision and purpose as he leads us forward. Well, today we are continuing our journey with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark in a series that we're calling Encountering Hope. Encountering Hope. And today, I want to begin with a question. How have you been sleeping these days? How have you been sleeping these days? That when you think about these last couple months under lockdown, have you been sleeping better or worse? Now, on the surface, you know, it seems like the answer should be better, right? Because most of us generally have less to do and more time on our hands, right? So we should be sleeping better, right? Theoretically, we're getting enough hours so that sleep shouldn't be a problem, especially when you compare it to the pace of our pre-COVID lives. And yet, while all that's true, my guess is that a lot of us aren't sleeping as well these days because you and I know that sleep isn't so much a matter of schedule as it is about stress. That feeling more restful isn't so much a schedule problem as it is a stress problem. So even though our activity might be lower, 
The uncertainty of these times has caused our anxiety to grow higher. So we're feeling more anxious, so we're getting less sleep. And the sleep that we are getting isn't all that restful. See, that's what uncertainty and anxiety can do to us. As a matter of fact, that's true not only in the physical world, it's also true in the spiritual world. It is that while there is a rest that we experience for our body and our minds, there is also a rest that we can experience in the deepest and most precious places of who we are, our heart, our soul, that invisible part of us that longs to commune with God that longs to find our place in this world and our purpose for this life. And see, that's where Jesus comes in. And that's why, as part of his mission of hope, Jesus extends this wonderful invitation, both to people back then, but also to us today. So listen to these words from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28, 29, when Jesus says this, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And look at this, and you will find rest for your souls. A deep rest for your soul that comes from prevailing peace with God that only Jesus can provide. This is a promise to us from the Son of God that you can experience for yourself, even in the midst of these anxious and uncertain times. Because you know what? The rest that Jesus offers is one that transcends our circumstances, no matter how favorable or unfavorable they may be. Come to Jesus and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that great? Well, today we're going to continue our journey with Jesus. And as we do, we're going to talk more about our rest for our souls. And we're going to do that from several perspectives, both the right and the wrong ways we try to find that. And so to do that, we are going to cover a large section of Scripture in Mark, right? And because there's a lot of material, it means I'm not going to read through the entire passage, but rather I want to tell the story. I want to paint the overall picture and then... I'll fill in the details by us reading together some key verses along the way. So picking up from where we left off last week, you might remember this clash that Jesus had with the religious authorities, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, who were troubled when they saw Jesus dining with the excluded, right? The excluded, the outcasts, the ostracized, these tax collectors and Pharisees. And so they wondered, they asked Jesus' disciples, how can he, how dare he, right? Which to them just prompted these incredible emotions of outrage and disgust. Yet Jesus, overhearing their words, responds with this incredible promise and really declaration of why Jesus came, that Jesus came not for those who think they're righteous, but rather Jesus came for those who know they're not. Jesus came not for those who think they're righteous, but rather Jesus came for those who know they're not. And not just tax collectors and sinners back then, but those of us who know our own selfishness, our self-centeredness, and the brokenness that we have, right? 
I mean, this really is the heart of the gospel that Jesus has for us and why his crucifixion, why his resurrection make all the difference in the world. Unfortunately, though, right, this mindset of a righteousness that's based on the rule keeping was so embedded in religion back then that people still had trouble hearing and even more importantly, accepting what Jesus was trying to teach them and the freedom he wanted to bring them. So for example, in Mark chapter 2, verse 18, we read this. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours aren't? How is it? How come? It's not fair, right? Can you pick up the tone? So not only is it okay for Jesus and his disciples to hang with an unruly and unclean crowd, but with this question, it also looks like Jesus is pretty lax on the rules. And he doesn't really care. He doesn't think they're important that he and his disciples have failed in this rigorous religious fasting. That's a measure of true righteousness, or at least what people thought back then. Well, Jesus responded to their question, or should I say their accusation, with two vivid word pictures, one having to do with a bridegroom and a wedding, and the other having to do with the effects of old and new wine being poured into old and new wineskins. And both of these vivid word pictures pointed back to Jesus and this new kingdom era that he was ushering in, right? One that would render old standards of righteousness useless. That Jesus truly came to change everything. Now you would think that the clear and clever answers of Jesus would be enough to silence his critics. But sadly, it only seemed to have the opposite effect. Verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, in God's original design, the Sabbath day was a gift to his people, following their liberation from generations of slavery, so that on the Sabbath they were now free, free to refrain from work and free to engage in worship and celebration, just as God himself did on the seventh day after his first six days of creation. But the unlawfulness that the Pharisees are talking about here isn't a civil or civic or societal lawfulness, like you're going to get thrown in jail. But it was religious lawfulness, right? The law that traced back to the fourth commandment. You know this, right? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But see, that one commandment, it eventually turned into all these petty regulations over 39 different activities that could be interpreted as quote-unquote work of what could and could not be done on the Sabbath, including... Picking grain. It's driving these religious leaders nuts. And so here's Jesus. Here's his disciples. They're breaking the rules, right? What gives? What's going on? 
Well, Jesus responds once more, but instead of sharing vivid word pictures, he instead retells an Old Testament story about one of their heroes, King David, and how he and his associates would have also been guilty of violating their man-made Sabbath laws. Now, that should have been enough to shut them up, but Jesus takes it even a step further with these words. Look at this, verse 27. Then he, Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, look at this. So, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, remember, we've seen this before in this series, that the Son of Man is the messianic term that Jesus used for himself. And he used it not only when he healed the paralyzed man, but also when he looked at him and forgave his sins. Granting the forgiveness of sins, only something that God can do. See, the Son of Man, this is a rather audacious thing to call yourself, but that's what Jesus did again. And so in using that here, Jesus essentially has the gall to say, you know what, your Sabbath rules don't apply to me. They don't. They don't because I am the God who gave you the Sabbath in the first place. I am, and you know what, I never intended for keeping the Sabbath to be the test of your piousness so that you could feel good about yourself. It wasn't a burden to keep. It was a gift to enjoy. But you've taken and twisted and all that. And beyond that, Jesus goes on to make this bold claim that the Sabbath, you know what? It ultimately points to me. The Sabbath points to me. Where Jesus says, I am your Sabbath. I am your worship. I am your joy and I am your rest. I am your rest from all the uncertainty, from all the anxiety of religious rule keeping and never quite knowing if you've done enough to please God. No, I am the Sabbath of that because soon, Jesus says, in my obedience and in my righteousness, I will fulfill all righteousness for you. You see, more than his miracles, more than his message, this fulfillment of righteousness that will come on the cross and will be confirmed by an empty tomb. See, this is where his ministry is ultimately heading. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. That the Son of Man is even Lord over the ultimate Sabbath that God has, this rest for your souls. Well, the confrontation we've looked at today, you know, I realize, right, it's been different than some of the other weeks and some of the incredible miracles that we saw Jesus perform. Still, I want you to know that these conflicts, these encounters are powerful because they teach us something else about the hope that Jesus came to bring and the hope and the effects that it has on people today. Here it is. Hope ruffles the religious. Hope ruffles the religious. Jesus came to bring us good news. It was good news about how we can experience deep rest for our souls, how we can have prevailing peace with God. But you know what? Not everyone received it that way, did they? No, actually, it made them mad. It threatened something deep inside of them that ran far deeper than just a difference of opinion. 
No, something bigger, something more personal was at stake. With the religious establishment and all the complicated rule-keeping systems they had meticulously constructed. But you know what? The same is true today. It is. That some of the most religious people you know are also some of the most resistant to Jesus and the hope he came to bring. Can I say that again? That some of the most religious people you might know could also be some of the most resistant to Jesus and the hope he came to bring. So why is that? Why does that matter? And what does that mean for you? Well, I want us to explore these questions further after the break. But before that, we're going to worship again with a song about this Jesus, this Lord of the Sabbath. It's going to be led by one of our worship leaders, Jeff Schrems. And the song is called Build My Life. Every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you Love to go. 
I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone, O O Lord, and I will not be shaken. I love that. You know, when it comes to us relating to God and finding rest for our souls, we all build our lives on something. We do. We all build our lives on something. Even the atheist, the agnostic, the irreligious will either deny the existence of their soul altogether or... They'll try to soothe it through scientific reason or superficial pleasure. But see, that type of person is not who Jesus had in mind in today's passage. No, the confrontations, they were with the religious. They were with the rule followers, the so-called righteous. That's why I said this about the hope that Jesus came to bring. That hope ruffles the religious. The hope that Jesus came to bring, it ruffled the religious. And I cannot overemphasize enough the questions and the clashes that we've seen today. You know what? There's so much more than just a difference of opinion. There's so much more about some kind of power struggle that was going on back then. No, that for Jesus, you know what? The fate of our eternal souls was at stake. And that this rule-keeping system that these religious leaders had constructed was actually harming people. And it was preventing them from coming to know and worship the God who had created them. Hope ruffles the religious. That's why what we saw back then is still so important today. It is. Let me show you what I mean. See, then and now, there are two different ways that people try to find rest for their souls. Two different ways. The first is this. That finding rest for your souls, there are the religious And they try to find rest for their souls based on what I can do for God. What I can do for God. This is mankind taking the initiative, saying it's all up to me, and reaching up to God by keeping the rules. So like we saw back then, you know, the religious, they fasted frequently. They observed the Sabbath, Sabbath meticulously so that through their own righteousness, they would find God's favor and experience rest for their souls. That was the plan. But here was the problem. How do you know if you're doing it right? How do you know if you've been good enough? See, when you build your life on keeping the rules, you are inevitably going to fail. You are. So you know what happens? You modify the rules, and then you also measure yourself against others. You modify the rules, and then you measure yourself against others. I mean, that's what was going on in this story, right? All the questions these religious leaders had, they weren't out of curiosity in a quest to find the truth, but rather they were out of criticism as a way to elevate themselves as they looked down on others. Now, let me tell you why this matters to you today. See, what we've looked at today isn't so much about a, you know, a lesson in history. But rather, it's a study in human nature. It's a study in human nature. That this kind of attitude toward God and religion isn't just limited to Jewish leaders and teachers of the law back in the first century. No, this is about people in every era, in every culture, representing every religion possible, including Christianity. Where even fine-looking, church-going people can take the same approach and think it's all up to them and the good they can do for God and for others. 
But you know what? The same thing happens. And they end up failing God. And when they do, they modify the rules and they measure themselves against others. Well, at least I'm not like those kind of people, right? You've seen that before. Maybe you've even felt it yourself. So is that you? Is that your approach with God? You know, to be honest, I'm not sure any of us would readily answer yes to that question. So let me ask you this. Is your life marked by comparing, complaining, and condemning? Is your life marked by things like comparing, complaining, and condemning? I mean, to me, I think this is a great test. That if you track the words of your mouth, the thoughts in your head, the attitudes of your heart, how much and how often do other people bother you? Does it consume your life? If it does, you know, you may be a Christian by name, but it's possible that you're building your life upon keeping the rules as part of your religion rather than building your life upon the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. Comparing, complaining, condemning. Listen, that's no way to go through life. It's not. No, it is miserable, it is doomed to fail, and you are never going to find rest for your souls that way. Never. You know why? Because you don't have what it takes. None of us do. And because we don't, we are always going to be plagued by a restlessness and an anxiousness deep within, trying harder, and yet constantly failing, never quite knowing or feeling or being confident enough that we're doing it well enough. And so if you find yourself in these complaining, comparing, and condemning modes, like where you're like the religious leaders much more than you wish were true, then you know what? The first thing you need to do is just fess up. Just fess up. Tell God, admit yourself that in being religious and trying to keep the rules and and, in judging others while you're at it, That as you're doing all these things, it just isn't working for you. That's me, and I'm messing up, and I can't do it. Tell God that. Admit it to yourself. See, that's what Jesus was trying to expose back then, and it's what he's trying to expose in us. And you know why this is so important? Because before you can grab onto the good, you first have to let go of the bad. Before you grab onto the good that Jesus has for you, You first have to let go of the bad that you've been clinging to. So fess up and let go because you know what? There is another way. There is a better way. And really, there is an only way that you can find true and lasting rest for your souls. See, there are the religious and then there are the redeemed. The redeemed who build their life not on what I can do for God. No, they build their life on what Jesus did for me. For me. So instead of building my life on all the so-called good I'm trying to do for God with all the anxiety that produces within me, I look to Jesus and I build my life on his perfection. The perfect life he lived. The perfect sacrifice he made for me on the cross. The perfect victory he won over sin and death through the resurrection. And the perfect righteousness that becomes my own when I fully trust in him 
by grace, through faith, as my Savior, my Redeemer, and my Lord. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. But you know what? That's more than just a day. It's a destiny. Because keeping the rules will never bring rest to your soul, but Jesus can. And he will. When you can let go of the bad and grab onto the good, and Jesus, your Redeemer, is that good. And so I want to invite all of you, by faith and trust, to either accept, or maybe today you just need to affirm Jesus as your Savior. To build your life upon him and all that he did for you and because of you. Because when Jesus is your Redeemer, you will find rest for your soul. So build your life upon Jesus and his great love for you. You know, I'm so glad that whether we are in a building or meeting virtually, that week after week after week, we get to celebrate Jesus like this as a church. And I'm glad we get to do it, especially in these trying times, which leads me to this final thought. You know, I started today's message by asking you that question about how well you're sleeping these days. And with that, I brought up how anxious a lot of us are feeling because of all the fear and worry and uncertainty. And so as you've been listening to this message today, you might be wondering, you know, Pastor Dan, all this talk about finding rest for my soul is fine and good, but I'm not sure it speaks to what I'm going through right now and all that I'm feeling inside. In other words, Jesus may have saved my soul, but I'm still afraid of the virus. I'm out of a job. I lost my home, right? And all these thoughts or anything else that might be overwhelming you right now. So what does all this have to do with that, right? Well, you know what? I get those thoughts. I get those feelings. I do. Because sometimes, you know, churches can be accused of always talking about the sweet by and by without ever really addressing the bitter here and now. And the here and now can be bitter. But you know what? Real Christianity, real Christianity that is built upon the firm foundation of Jesus Christ doesn't ask you to choose one or the other. It doesn't. No, actually, Jesus is Lord of both the here and now, and he is Lord of the forever after. Listen, if this Jesus has already given you deep rest for your souls, that rest that comes with sins forgiven, knowing that is guaranteed, the rest that comes with the promise of heaven, then you know what? You can also count on him for the other things in life that might make you anxious. In other words, if Jesus can handle the eternal fate of your soul, then he certainly can take care of everything else. Jesus can handle the eternal fate of your soul, then he certainly can, and he will take care of everything else. And what hope and what joy and what confidence that can bring us. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus spoke about this very thing, and he did it in some very direct language. And so let me read this passage, and then after that, I'll close in prayer. Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. 
but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, there are many things in life that we can be afraid of, but only God deserves our worship. And only God decides our eternity. So Jesus is saying, you know, get right with God. That's the thing you should be thinking about the most. Get right with God, and he'll take care of the rest. But then Jesus goes on and he gets even more practical. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. In other words, God notices everything. Everything and everything that he has created falls under his loving care, including the smallest and seemingly most insignificant details. Two sparrows sold for a penny. Verse 30. Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, noticed by God. And I know we can make a bunch of ball jokes here, right? But this is what I want you to see. Verse 31. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because if God cares about the sparrows, you are worth more than many sparrows. You are. That if our Heavenly Father watches over the small things of his creation, then he's also going to take care of you. He really is. So don't be afraid. You are worth everything to him. You are. Jesus is proof of that. So in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of this historic 500-year flood, come to Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest. Let's pray together. Yeah, Jesus, these are anxious times. These are uncertain times. We're feeling unsettled. We're feeling restless. But thank you, Jesus, that you have us. You've got us. And you came to bring us a rest for our souls, one that is rooted in the cross and the empty tomb and your love for us. And that because of that, you have taken care of the forgiveness of our sins. We know that is settled. It's done. It is finished. And we know that our future, our forever future is taken care of through the promise of heaven, that you've got that as well. We don't need to be anxious about that. So if you've got these big things, Thank you that you'll take care of everything else in our lives. Lord, even as I pray that, I don't mean to make light of what people are going through right now. The anxiety people may be feeling about the virus or all the stress and worry about the devastation of this flood. God, thank you that you've got them, that you've got this, that you care and that you will provide. Father, help us in these anxious times be the church to each other, to care for, to pray for, to love in very practical ways those who are in great need, that we would bear one another's burdens and then you would unleash us to be Jesus to our community around us. God, thank you. Thank you that you came to dismantle the anxiety of keeping the rules and that in doing so, in dying for us and rising from the dead, you have given us this forever deep eternal rest for our souls. 
And so with that, we praise you, Jesus. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're powerful name. We pray all these things in that name.
forever grateful for what you've done for us. Help us to live for you every day in a way that shows you that. Wow, what a way to end today's service, just singing about the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. And I pray that that uh, sense of encouragement would be with you all throughout the week as you remember the Lord's goodness to you. Well, a couple things before we wrap up. First of all, we would just encourage you to stay connected uh, to the ministry of Hopeville all throughout the week. And you can do that a number of different ways. You can go to our website and find information there. Uh, you can download the mobile app on your cell phone and access information that way. You can connect with us on a bunch of different social media channels, Facebook in particular, where we have scheduled uh, Facebook Live events on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday throughout the week there. So lots of different ways to connect. And then if you feel led to give to the ministry at Hopeville, uh, you can do that through those same channels, whether it's the website, the mobile app, or physically driving your check to the Saginaw Ministry Center. And if you don't, again, if you don't have the mobile app, you can download that to your phone very easily by texting the word Hopevale to 77977. And once you download that app, uh, it gives you all the access to uh, things that are relevant to uh, life and uh, ways to connect with others in this season. Well, hey, once again, I just want to say thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Uh, our prayers are with you. Please reach out if you need anything, and we hope to see you again next week. God bless you. It's better.